being in the Navy or the Marine Corps is not a nine to five job. So take the time, enjoy your family, enjoy life, because when they're out at sea, it's 24 hours. Every time we'd move, my sister and I would be our best friends for the first year that we lived in a place. Him coming home and not being there for so long, the dynamics change a lot. It was just, you know, another person that got to that got to tuck him in at night. There are people out there who have done two and a half, three year tours separated from their family. I don't know when I'm gonna hear from him next. I don't know when I'm gonna hear his voice. All I do know though is that we had spent the year prior really getting to know the squadron and that became your family. Welcome to This Military Life podcast, our place to hear conversations and stories from real people about the immense impression the military has on everyone. I'm Danielle Brown, and I grew up in a military household until I was in college where I studied media creation. It was there when I decided to talk to people, listen to their stories, and create a documentary podcast series about this military life. This episode focuses on military family dynamics and what makes the military family unique. So I sat down with my dad and I asked him to compare his life growing up with a parent in the Air Force to his life now as a father in the Navy. Can you tell me about your military family dynamic you had growing up? I can. The first memories I really have are when I was super young and we were living in England. Um, Obviously, when I was little, I didn't know that at the time, but, you know, that was my first memories. And so that's kind of your first indication that, you know, here we are, an American family, and we're living in England for some reason. You know, obviously, when you're little, you don't know these things. But uh, then we came back to the United States and lived in Virginia for one year and then moved to Idaho, you know, of all places. You know, this is, this is not kind of a normal path for most families. You know, most families might move a couple of times you know, normally based on jobs and that sort of thing, but uh, it's kind of unusual to move every two and a half years, you know, on average or whatever. And so that makes things challenging for, you know, being the new kid in school and making new friends and leaving friends and all that sort of thing. And it, and obviously at that time, you didn't have any kind of a internet or connectivity other than just writing a letter in the mail. So, you know, you once you moved, you, you pretty much lost touch with all of the friends that you had from before uh, in most, you know, circumstances. The one thing for me growing up is that, you know, my dad had gone off to Vietnam, but that was before I was born. So while I was alive, for the most part, he didn't deploy. We would move to a new location. He would work at the Air Force Base Hospital. And, um, you know, so he was still able to make soccer games on the weekend and, you know, help with homework at night or whatever, you know, those kind of things. And that's a little bit of a difference for me since as a parent, I've had six deployments and that is me leaving home and now I'm you know, almost, you know, 100% absent basically during that time frame. And then, of course, it's challenging during the workup training when you're gone for a month or two during those time frames as well. So that's probably the biggest difference. I mean, my dad did have a job while we lived in Texas when I was, you know, like 7 to 10. And he traveled a decent amount. Uh, but that was, you know, shorter trips. That was, you know, a week gone this month, week gone that month, that kind of thing. But it still put, you know, more of a 
a burden on my mom being, you know, the, the only parent for that time frame. I talked to my friend John about how his military life got started. And I, you know, I hadn't planned on being a stay-at-home dad, but, you know, right after, um, yeah, I worked in Bahrain. So it was Lamore was the start of being a stay-at-home dad, and then it was just, it just didn't work out. I mean, she was gone, and then we had a one-year tour after that. That's not an easy time to get a job. And then we were in England after that. That wasn't an easy place to find something, you know. So when Jess came back from her tour, what was family life like? It's harder for the um, it's harder for the kids typically than it is for us. Yeah, I mean we were thanks to paying attention to other people's stories and things like that. We were prepared for you know for how it was going to be. Um, I think learning to sleep on only your side of the bed is difficult to do again. <laughs> I'm very tall, so you know I'll go like diagonal in the the king size, and it's like. It's like, you're smothering me. <laughs> um, but uh, it, can be really, it can be really tough on the kids to um, respect, especially when she's disciplining them. And I'm just using discipline in the broad sense of there's a lesson that's being taught at the time. Um, and I think, that can be, I think that can be tough. And I would sometimes just try to give her the opportunity to do it, even though it was something that I had to do so that the kids would, would learn to understand, you know, along with obviously, you know, her wanting to go do the fun things, being able to go see Jay at gymnastics or Kayla do horseback riding, any of the things that they were doing at the time she got back from deployments. And uh, she obviously welcomed those things. But I think that um, for the most part, we've always been really communicative as a family. During one of my conversations with my Nana, we talked about what it was like for her when my grandpa would leave and come back from temporary duty. Well, of course, there were times when my husband had to go TDY. Of course, that's a drop in the bucket compared to what your dad did. But it was, it was when he went TDY, that meant I stepped forward and I make the decisions. And then when he comes home, I have to step back. So weird. And he takes that position. And that's very difficult to do, going back and forth and back and forth because you're in charge and suddenly he's back and he's in charge and you have to step back. That's really difficult and I'm sure your mom could talk a lot more about that than I because your dad was gone so much more. When I would talk to my mother, she would sometimes slip in the words, but it's okay, after a statement like, dad was gone a lot. And I asked her to explain it to me. He's gone a lot, but it's okay. It wasn't his favorite part of it, that's for sure. He does like his job and he loves flying that plane, but his least favorite part was having to say goodbye. All of us hated that part. Why? What makes it okay? Because he loved his job. Because okay. it was an awesome job. He's serving, he's serving his country, and he was doing a job that he absolutely loved. And I'm, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't work for everybody, but we were able to figure out how to, how to make that lifestyle work for us. Like, I can, I can run the house 
the cars, the kids, the house, the, I said that, the pets. You know, I can do it. I prefer not to. I like him to do it, but I can do it. So it worked for us. There was a lot of a lot of people that would they actually had like a class you would go through the and it was called the like transition of homecoming that your dad and I didn't understand why anyone would ever need it but I guess there were some wives that loved you know being in control of everything and really had a hard time letting go of it when they would come home so that whole transition was like really sticky you know they'd come home and then they'd fight over oh wait you know who does this now and who does that whereas he came home and I said oh here you go here's your jobs again um, you know he jump he would jump right back in being the husband the dad and the one taking care of everything it was good was it easy for him to just jump right back in no that wasn't always easy when you guys were really little for sure that was very confusing for him because you know like um, when you're really little, there's a lot of boundaries and, and things that have to happen. And, and I just remember walking into the living room at one point. He had only been home for three days or whatever. And Charlie is pulling everything out of, I think it was like our gosh, China Hutch or maybe it was near the TV. He was just pulling everything out and you were jumping on the sofa next to dad. And I just walked in and I said, hey, Dad, can you engage? And he's like, I forgot how to be a dad. I'm like, okay. But he didn't know because he's been, you know, off and he didn't know what little kids had to do and that sort of thing. I mean, we try when he's gone to keep him up to date with everything and we make sure that you guys get to hear his voice. I asked my friend Sarah about what it was like for her mom when her dad came home from Afghanistan. I think she was really excited, but I think it's also really hard coming home, him coming home and not being there for so long. The dynamics change a lot. Um, like when he, his most recent deployment, which was honestly years ago, like 2011, um, he went to Afghanistan, but we were older at the time. We were freshmen in high school, not like six-year-olds. And so when he came home, the dynamics in the house had kind of shifted. My mom was less strict than what she was. She wasn't enforcing certain rules, like curfew wasn't as big of a deal. It had been extended and like asking for sleepovers wasn't really asking, was more like telling at that point. And those were things that had changed over the course that my dad was gone. And it took a while for him to get used to that. And I know like we were all really excited, but my mom was kind of stressed about that because it's hard to run a household of teenagers when one parent's on one page and the other one's on the old page. He also came back with a horrible mustache because he did no shave um, November. No, it was mustache March. And it just, and he's bald. He's bald man. He's got no hair. And he comes back with a caterpillar. And I was like, oh, dad. Dads, I feel like have a tendency to be the more playful one. The ones that, you know, that either roughhousing with the kids or joking around with the kids or pranks or things like that. I feel like that's, you know, not to gender stereotype, but I feel like from what I've seen of plenty of other dads in my day, that most of the time that's their role. And I feel like that might make it a little bit more difficult when they come home as opposed to when mom comes home because I had to be both the nurturer and the disciplinarian role and I already cooked as it was <clears throat> so that's not changed at all for the kids so it's not like when Jess came home all of a sudden they got to stop eating takeout um, <clears throat> there was 
plenty of things were already being cooked for them anyway and it was just you know another person that got to that got to tuck them in at night i think the fact that that they got the balance of the female perspective was probably the most valuable part that's missing during those times but we're lucky to be deployed in today's day and age where they can communicate with her in such an you know with moms and dads in such an amazing way because email and, and even being able to do video nowadays I asked my brother about what he remembers about family life when our dad was home compared to when he was away. Personally for me, I don't have a lot of memories of when our father was not home, generally because I was younger during his main deployments. Um, but when he is home, I, I find myself trying to keep the relationship between him and I just kind of balanced because... If he was going to leave again, I didn't want things to be bad while he was out there. And then when he come home, I don't want it to be like bad when he's here as well. So I just kind of try my best to suck it up with anything and just keep the relationship good. And <clears throat> one of the larger impacts in my life is that I did have a present father figure, but generally he was only around for half the time and so for the other half it would just be my mom and my sister who would raise me and kind of bake the cake <laughs> so that what you can, so hell? that you can add frosting during these years that we're in right now what the hell 2020 why are you talking like that because that's what mom said she's no. like we baked the cake now we're adding the frosting and I some sprinkles <laughs> How about you just tell me how you think it's impacted you today as a person? Because I grew up with my sister and my mother and my father only half the time, I have grown with this respect for what women go through throughout their lives. During family dinner at my grandparents' house, my Nana told me about little details she needed to pay attention to while Grandpa was in Vietnam. He wrote me and said that all of the letters from him were going to be to Mrs. Peggy Brown. It would normally have been to Mrs. Charles W. Brown III. And he said, the thing about Vietnam is you couldn't look at someone and know they were the enemy or not. But the maids would sometimes steal a letter and he said, if you ever get a letter addressed to anything other than Mrs. Peggy Brown, don't open it. Because they could tell you that I've been captured and all of this stuff, so just don't open it. What was your life like while Grandpa was in Vietnam? Um, when Vietnam had the Big Tet Offensive, the only news I got was from television, the nightly news. And they said that all major places in Vietnam had been attacked, and especially the hospitals. And I did not get a letter from my husband for 11 days, and I didn't know if he was alive or dead. And finally, we had the sweetest mailman 
and he brought mail every day to us. He knew that my husband was in Vietnam and when he went back to the post office, when he finished his rounds, he would look to see if there was a letter for me yet. And if there was, he would come back to my house and bring it to me. So after 11 days of not knowing, and it was just horrible, I finally got a letter. And I was just hysterical. I was so excited that he was alive. I had my mom tell me about squadron family life in the military. So here's, you know, the love of my life is leaving me. <laughs> Not really leaving me, but he's got to go do this Navy job that's going to take him away. And I don't get to know where he is all the time. I don't know when I'm going to hear from him next. I don't know when I'm going to hear his voice. Um, all I do know, though, is that we had spent the year prior really getting, getting to know the squadron and that became your family. And it was pretty intense. Like these ladies, and back then it was, I mean, back then it was all, the military was full male. I mean, there wasn't even very many, very many females in the military. So all of us wives were, I mean, we were, it was it, it was us wives and then the ones that had little babies. And I'm pregnant, and there was four of us pregnant on this one. And a couple of us were going to give birth while the daddies were gone, so that was hard. You were one of them. You wanted to be born while he was gone. Thank you. I asked my mom to tell me about a specific spouses group that had great impact on her. Back in the day, Navy, the, oh my God, the Top Gun wives. I mean, I'm still best friends with so many of them. That was a, I mean, because it's a tough group. Top Gun is a hard time because in the Navy, they go from a shore duty to a sea duty, and they're supposed to alternate these. So after flight school, you go straight to a sea duty because you've been home for, for three years for flight school. Then they send you to sea duty, and sea duty means nine months of what they call workups, and that means they're gone a lot. It's in and out. They're gone for six weeks, then home for three. Gone for four weeks, then home for four. Then gone for another eight weeks, then home for two. So it's back and forth for nine months, and then they finally go on their deployment, which back in the day was six months, but after that started going to, you know, nine, ten months, eleven months. They got longer, but in the back in the day, it was like nine months of workups, six months of them being deployed, and um, so you do that kind of thing for three years, and then the, they give the Navy pilots what they call um, shore duty. So that means they're not being deployed. But when you go to Top Gun, that's not a real shore duty because you're working 16 to 20 hour days. He was gone all the time with Top Gun. So we basically went from a sea duty to a sea duty where he came home at night or he got to see us for lunch. Um, we chose to live on base so that we could see him more and that was hard because you know we didn't we didn't know what even shore duty was like because these are our first times doing everything. So that's why the Top Gun wives were such a tight group because our husbands were all in the same boat and we don't see them much. And we had lots of different play groups and coffee groups and a lot of support for for each other so that we could get through the three years that was supposedly see, uh, shore duty because then you're going from that back to sea duty, and so he's back at sea again. So that's hard. 
Marlene, the program assistant at the Naval ROTC program at the University of Colorado Boulder, told me about the difference between a shore job and a sea duty. You know, you come to a shore job, for example, here at CU, it's a nine to five job. Being in the Navy or the Marine Corps is not a nine to five job. So when you're here at a shore command, you're, you should take the time to just unwind enjoy your family, enjoy life, because when they're out at sea, it's 24 hours working so hard. My friend Erin told me that for her, the military family dynamic of traveling and living overseas felt like the norm, and that growing up, she didn't always spend the holidays at home because of her family's travels. I mean, how cool is that I got to live in Japan? Since it was so, that's just what we did, and that's where we lived, thinking that's the norm, really, than it was back in America. It's like, we're gonna keep traveling, right? And <laughs> seeing other stuff. And I always assumed we'd go back overseas. Yes. But I do know we didn't visit, we never came back to America, besides Hawaii, we never came back to America while we were in Japan. So I definitely didn't spend any Christmases or anything with my family. So that's something, you know, everyone goes home for Christmas, but growing up, we only went home for Christmas maybe every other year. And so to me, Christmas isn't like necessarily a family holiday. During my conversation with Sarah, she told me about the little things that made a big impact on her when her dad was home from Afghanistan. Oh, it was really fun when dad was home though and picked us up when I was in high school, picked us up from like the practices in the spring. So either Colorado College or the Olympic Training Center. It was so fun to have him pick us up because he would bring tacos or other food. He'd be like, you guys are hungry, let's feed you. And he'd give us like first breakfast, first dinner. And then we'd get home and eat another dinner. Oh, I ate so much when I swam. <laughs> I just remember like late night Olympic Training Center practices and we'd be leaving at like 8.30 to get back home and then have to have dinner. And so we're like all starving because it was after Practice. Yeah, after school, after we already had our snack beforehand, and after practice, and we would just, dad be like, I got some tacos. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, don't tell mom. <laughs> it was so fun. I was always excited when he picked us up. <laughs> Marlene from the Naval ROTC program really puts my family on an undeserving pedestal. But she also talks about the time my family was in the middle of moving to Colorado. I mean, I look at your family, and I I can't even speak enough about your family because you all not only love each other, but you like each other, <laughs> you know? And that's so important. It really is. You have fun together, and you've been separated a bunch of times. Totally. I remember when you first, when you, you first moved out here, and then your mom was still in Nevada, and she had to have surgery. Mm -hmm. And I said to your dad, are you going back? And he said, no, she's fine. <laughs> she's got, you know, a lot of support there. That's incredible. It's so funny. Yeah. It's different, for sure. It is. But see, you growing up with that probably don't think anything I thought it was normal. It. I totally thought it was normal to like live in a different place every two to three years. I thought everyone's lives were like that. Right. And then I was shocked like you've grown up here your whole life. Exactly. That's so weird. 
During my senior year of high school in Fallon, Nevada, my dad got orders to move to Colorado before I was supposed to graduate. So instead of moving right away, my dad moved to Colorado by himself. And then my mom, my brother, and I followed three months later. But during those three months before I graduated, my mom was supposed to have a surgery. So I asked my dad to tell me about the support we had in Nevada that made it okay for him to stay in Colorado. So the support system obviously was in place when you were born. You know, there was parents and friends and and family and and the whole nine yards. Uh, You know, similarly, when mom had surgery in April. But, you know, I was in Colorado and while she was having surgery, there were multiple family and friends that were taking care of mom that allowed me to stay in Colorado and I knew she was in good hands. I mean, I was in touch with Holly the whole time when the surgery was going on, got, you know, report updates and texts exactly when it was all happening. So, yeah, so those, the military family is is pretty amazing in those aspects. Sarah and I talked about how much, or in this case, how little we knew about our dad's job schedules. I mean, like, yeah, my mom, we had like, we had the big, you know, like the big calendars that moms all have and they write on it and like who has what and when. And so she like, dad's schedule would be on there. And so like, we would check it, but I didn't really pay attention. I'm like, dad'll come, dad'll be home eventually. That would be us when dad, my mom's like, we're gonna have a family dinner cause dad's home. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. I'm like, dad's gonna pick you up tomorrow night from swim practice. I'm like, dad's back in town. She also told me about one of her dad's military jobs and what family life was like during that time. So he did like his year in Afghanistan, his deployment, and then he did like two years after that, finishing his service, training newly graduated cadets and doing flight first flight screening in Pueblo, which was a super weird period of time because he was home every night for two years. Oh. And I was totally not used to that because he was a pilot. Yeah, that's he would weird. go on trips for like a week at a time and then come back for a week at a time and then leave and come back. And that was what I was used to. Yeah. And to have him around every single night for two years, I was like, first like, couple months, I was like, this is bizarre. Yeah. Like you're here all the time. <laughs> Freaky. It is weird. It is weird. It was a weird transition. But then he went back to flying. So he was, but then commercial, not Air Force. So. That's different. Yeah, got used to that again. My friend Noah told me about daily life for his family when his dad was gone on deployment. I don't know, like it, it was it was different, but it wasn't I'm not to say that we didn't have him around, but it didn't really have like a significant impact on like our day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Um I mean like it was weird like not having him around, but like apart from that, you know, like especially like you know, during the school year, we got a new routine, you know, like, you know, kids are at school during the day and, you know, like, my mom, like, started working. So, like, she, like, like, kids would be at school, like, mom would be, like, working during the day, we'd, like, get home and, you know, socialize and, you know, eat dinner and stuff. But um, as far as, like, our day-to-day life, it didn't really change that much when he was gone. Yeah. Um, what about when he came home? Insane. Like, I think it's, like, more so, it was probably, like, different on like some level like when like my younger brother and sister and I were like really little but like especially like later on when we were in like middle school and high school like we like with like school work and stuff we had a lot of things to like occupy our time and like right. keep us busy oh yeah which definitely made it easier but like with that and 
you know, like everything. Like it, it was pretty much smooth sailing as far as like I remember. Um, and like there would also be like, like even though he was gone, like he'd still like keep in touch with us. At the end of the day, it was like we'd like talk over like Skype or something, wow. like every like week or so, just saying like, like hey, how's it going? And I remember like one time like he, he was like deployed to Germany, I think, and he was like he'd like Skype us when he was like in his hotel room. Say hey, like just got here, like everything's going well. Um, you know, such and such about coming to Germany is a little weird, but it's not too bad. Um, so like even though he was gone and like we missed having him at home, like we were still in touch with him and we still got to like he was still there, like in a way. So like in, in that respect it wasn't significantly different and totally because like we we still got to talk with him. Yeah. So like it was it was weird, but you know, it wasn't too bad. I had a discussion with my friend Zoe about the transition of homecoming. Like, it ne- yeah, never yeah. in my parents' case, it was always like, oh, I'm so glad you're home. You can pay the bills now. <laughs> like, do all the hard <laughs> yeah. chores like yeah. that. Um, the only problem that we had in my family is, like, my dad would forget to be a dad. Like, he wouldn't yeah. discipline us at all or anything. We would just be willy-nilly. Yeah, because it is a long time and you get used to, like, like, I'm sure our moms got used to, like, a single mom kind of life. And then when that, and, and like what kind of stuff did our dads well luckily our dads were on boats right. most of the time my dad but doesn't talk of, about it oh see see and then like the army guys who are you know i don't know they they'll come back with ptsd and stuff totally so that can be hard and i i if my dad ever had ptsd from anything i never knew about it yeah My brother told me about what he liked about being in the military family dynamic. Something that I actually like about being being a military brat and it being a positive is that I did meet a lot of people. Like a lot of my friends these days, they have lived in the same house their whole life, had the same friends since they were in first grade. But that's so weird. But it it is, (laughs) it's, it's strange to me because every time we'd move, my sister and I would be our best friends for the first year that, that we lived in a place. Yeah, it made us really close for sure as a family, as like a unit. Because we were a team, we were the only other people we knew. I asked my dad to explain to me what a geo-bachelor is. So a, a geographic bachelor is uh, somebody who's you know obviously married, uh, you know potentially with a, a whole family and kids or whatever, uh, decides kind of for the stability of the family to leave them wherever they are and then you go to wherever your assignment is and then you operate from there and you're geographically separated. So we, we, we call it a, a geographic bachelor or geobash is what we you know kind of just shorten it to. Um, I never, I've, I've only done that twice for a short period of time. So ex- the first time was, uh, when we were in California and going to Nevada for the last time, we were separated for about six weeks. That's that's pretty short. I mean, you can stand on your head for six weeks. So, um, the second time though was coming to Colorado. Uh, you were in your senior year of high school. Um, Charlie was established in school. You guys were at the same high school, which was awesome. And you know, we obviously aren't going to move 
out of out of Nevada when you have three months left of school, you know, and going to graduate, you know, that sort of thing. So, so you guys stayed there, and I came in March to Colorado. But there are people out there who have done two and a half, three year tours separated from their family. Now, obviously, they spend a lot more money on airline tickets and that sort of thing during that time. But I, I just could never imagine doing it, doing that for that long of a time. I mean, I don't care how much it sucks. It's like, hey, we'll just, it'll suck together. (laughs) I was telling Aaron how my family moved to Nevada in time to start school. But we left my dad behind for a couple of months to finish out his orders. Uh, and then I, my family moved to Anais Fallon, Nevada, which is the middle <laughs> of nowhere. It's, oh, yeah. I didn't know. Oh, I know Fallon. I lived there when I was, like, two. I don't remember it, but I've been there since. <laughs> when we lived in Newbury Park, my dad did a tour in Fallon for two years, and we stayed in Newbury Park with my brother. That's really so he could graduate high school. My mom didn't want to move him to Fallon because she was like, then you can't go to college you want, blah, blah, blah. So we stayed there. So your family decided to not go to Fallon because it is awful there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, but then we ended up moving for me. But my mom's argument, she was like, well, this you still have the same opportunities in San Diego, whereas Fallon would have been, I couldn't play water polo, I couldn't, you know, swim. <laughs> Sarah told me about family life while living near the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. We would go on base a lot and just like like the co- go to the commissary and my dad would like show us around because he's like, well, this is like it hasn't really changed a ton. Um, it's a military base. So he would like show us everything and he's like, and here's um, the dorms and here's where the classes are and here's where your mom and I got married because they got married at the chapel of the Air Force Academy. So cute. And we did host one cadet. So like you can sign up to host a cadet for their first year. Yeah. And then uh, keep them kind of throughout the college, not keep them like a possession. But like, I remember when he first started. So what they do is like they take the first the cadets in freshman year and they like bring them in pretty early and then they just like start training there. And they like basically board a bus with basically none of their belongings. It's very little stuff. And then they unboard the bus and they just immediately start getting yelled at. Like, as soon, like they say goodbye to their parents and everything, they board the bus, they go around the corner, yelling ensues. <laughs> it's like to train them that everybody's equal and everybody works together and none of you are above each other. You have to work as a team to succeed. Um, and they start that training very early. And so my dad snuck us around the corner and let us see that they get yelled at. And I was like, I don't want to go to the academy. Yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, no more. During my conversation with John, he told me about his family's plans for life after the military. You know, if you don't want to do what you've been doing because you want a break from it, then it's, you know, it's really difficult. And that's stuff that Jess is going to have to go through because I don't think she wants to be an analyst when she's done with all of this. Well, what's she going to do? uh, I don't know. Scrapbooking? All right. (laughs) She's been looking, she's been looking at a number of different things. It's tough too because she likes she likes the lifestyle that we have so she understands that there's going to be pressure so even though i'm looking to get back into work now i said you know i've been out of it for eight years you can expect me to be making like thirty-eight thousand starting as i like work my way back up and with your retirement plus that we're still going to be well short <laughs> of, 
of the lifestyle you'd like to leave. She wants to take a Disney cruise like every year. It's like, honey, those are those are great, but those are really expensive. So, <laughs> you know. I know that our family life is important to you. Can you tell me about how you balanced your military career and your family life? Well, that is definitely a challenge. Um, the one thing that you kind of have to know being in the military is that that mission comes first. And so when there's a, a choice or a decision, work kind of comes first. I mean, you, you, you take an oath to protect and defend against all enemies, foreign and domestic, you know, um, and unfortunately sometimes that comes at the expense of family life. And I mean, there's, you know, I, I, I'm not current on what the st statistics are, but, uh, you know, the Navy has always had a pretty high rate of divorce. Um, there's plenty of issues with family life, obviously with deployments and time away. Um, it, it, but it depends and it varies on people. I mean, you know, when Stephanie and I were young, you know, we, I think we, for us it works because my time away or being gone helped us appreciate once we got back together, you know, now we were, um, you know, very much enjoying and appreciative of our time together. So that worked for us. And, you know, there's all sorts of you know, ramifications um, that could have been in play. But I mean, for us, you know, we, we were able to make that work. Um, you know, plenty of our friends, unfortunately, did not, weren't able to make that work. So that's unfortunate. But um, with the military, uh, you know, you are gone a lot in, in most cases. And so you try and make the most of your time when you're home. Um, and so for that, you know, you're always, okay, once, once you're back and once you're home, now you're planning events and you're planning trips and you just try and maximize the quality, I guess, of the time when you're home versus, you know, the quantity. I mean, I can guarantee you there's people out there that are in jobs and they're home every night and they're home all the time and they're able to make events for their kids, but maybe the quality isn't that great, you know? Um, uh, so maybe that is a little piece of how we were able to try and balance that. But uh, yeah, for the most part, when you're active duty and you're, you know, you're, you've signed on the dotted line and raise your right hand, that tie kind of always has to go to the work side. Thanks for listening to this Military Life podcast. In this episode, my guests and I discussed examples of different military family techniques and dynamics. We were able to uncover some of the more personal stories that many individuals have in regards to their association to the military. We have continued to unfold the influence of the military and have widened our eyes to how it has shaped the lifestyles of those involved. My interviewees were supporting this initiative, and I want to personally thank my mom, my dad, John, my nana, Sarah, Marlene, my brother, Noah, Zoe, and Aaron for lending their time and sharing their stories. Their contribution will help build the military community, increase our understanding of military family dynamics, and uncover the giant influence the military has on everyone. Thank you for listening, and I can't wait for you to tune in next week.